When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Davy Hogan worked with my father at Narcani Stud for about, I suppose, 13 years and was one of the most complete horsemen that I've ever known. Um, had a wonderful way with them. I knew every facet of the horse training, breaking, breeding, veterinary, in fact, every angle of horsemanship that exists, I think. Davy has come to my house nearly every Sunday night and we'd sit down and talk about horses. It was always horses or greyhounds. And um, I, I, I say that Davy knows more about a horse, the anatomy of a horse, the, the, the characters of horses, the good characters, the bad characters, the things to look for, the things to, 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 to watch out for. He knows more about a horse. There are things he knows that you just can't put them on paper. You you just it, it's it's a it's another it's a sixth sense I would say. The man they are talking about, Davy Hogan, 72 years of age, now lives in retirement in Bruff, County Limerick. His working life with horses ranges over half a century, spans something of the history of the islands of Ireland and Britain, and curves like a jumper's bent back over the equestrian history of these islands. It was in Kilmagani, the king of the point of points. I remember we started down from an old house, and we came up to it, and there was a lad on a big bank there, and he run over and had the one I came up to it. Lobby them and Knowles. He was riding a good mare, a mare one chased after a mare called Eddie, or Ada. And I got out by the side of money when I went away. I finished third or fourth in it, my first ride. I was only 14. And this mare that I rode never jumped a double, or killed over a double. She jumped it all together into the field. She jumped a whole lot of them into the other field everywhere. She never fell, though. I've heard it said that point-to-point racing is the toughest kind of racing for horses. It is, but the, I've, they've, they've put, uh, I found out, my father found out before me, that if you, have, if you breed horses, he bred three or four, he had three or four mares every year, and if you breed horses, they're not good enough for racing, and getting jumping banks, there'll be tops of point-to-points. They're British there, you see. He breeds them to stay, and they'll get jumping by degrees. What's the advantage, generally, of 
racing horses over point-to-point fences early, and at what age would you uh, think is the best time to race them over point-to-points? Oh, four-year-olds would be the best time, although I happen to be one of the few that rode a three-year-old to win over point-to-point. But that was over banks, and there were three doubles in it. A double is a bank with a ditch at the take-off side and a ditch at the other side. So they have to land on it, or else their back goes on the far side into the ditch. They have to land on top of the bank. If you have a good point-to-point horse, he won't ever leave a low, low foot to it. He'll jump clean to the other field, but he wants to be good. The tactics are all according to the animal. If you have a stayer with no speed, you'll have to be up in front. If you have an unstayer with plenty of speed, wait all day. Wait, but get ready to go towards yes, the end. Yes. What about the difference of opinion as to whether to stay inside the rails or to come up on the outside? That, I suppose that again depends on the horse. It does, but I'd prefer to come out up on the outside because a lad will have to, if he wants to in the field, yeah, he'll have to show up to Stuart's and everyone that he's doing it. The other way he can crush up against the rails and there's no one saying anything because the lads in front is entitled to have the rails. Because I'll tell you, of my experience of it now, I rode a horse in Baldile one day in a maiden race and Marnie Wing, he's dead and gone, God be good to him, he was riding the hot favours. It was second, all right, I was third, but I should never have been third because this is in Baldile and we started down here and coming round the corner up the hill and I was in front, this horse was to run away and he tore away to the front and I let him go away, I let him last was for only seven four long rest. And Wing thought to come up on the inside of me. And I wouldn't let him up. I pushed him over against the rails. He had to go right around me and he got bit. So much so that he, when he came in, he caught the saddle and he fired a straight over at me in the wear room. He says, you're blooming so and so. He says, you did me. He says, you had no right to come there, say. And you know I was in front. I did, he says, but I thought I was hoping that you'd pull out. I says, I wouldn't do them things at all. Now, when you had been uh, riding in Kilkenny with your father with horses and so on, uh, what happened after that? You see, I tell you, my, I bought a mare, a mare called Barna's Beauty. She was supposed to be a good mare, but she wasn't a good mare, but she was supposed to be. So Parkson said he'd try her for us. That's J.J. and Maddenstone Lodge. And he took me up to serve me time and tried this mare. The mayor was trying to be no good, and I stayed on. For about three years. So you stayed on as what? Served my time there with Parks and riding other horses and mucking around the yard, sure, the same as all the lads. Dick McCarthy was there, and there was a couple more of them there. Was that a time when you learned a lot about horses? Well, I learned how to ride better anyway. I knew a lot about horses. Maybe I knew as much as I always knew about horses before that. What's to be known about them and all is said and done. But you'll meet a, a, a dead-minded horse. You'll meet a dead-minded human being too. They're always the best. Because when you get them roused, you don't know where they're going to stop. You'll meet the flighty fella and the quick-tempered man too, and he's no good when the test comes. Generally, are good horses quiet horses to handle? They are, always, because they're afraid of nothing. But if you ever go to a race, race meeting, and you see a horse all sweated up and hot and bothered, don't put your bob at him, because he got punished sometime. He's not up to the mark. 
and he's frightened of yes. being out racing yes. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you ever see the lad sleep? And I saw Gold Miller, and he'd be 28 grass going round. He was the best horse in the world. He won six Gold Cups in the Grand National. No horse ever in the world did it. And what kind of horse was he to know and to handle? Grand, quite big horse, big sleepy horse, like a big hunter, 14 stone hunter all over the world. But when he started to gallop, he changed his mind though. Captain Williams rode him one day at Wincanton. I was there the same day, and he hit me kicking the belly, jumping the fence below the stands, and there's a house, a farmer's house at the far side beyond. He didn't get a stop until he went to there. But his head stuck down the ground, he ran away the whole time, with 12-7 on him. But he stayed on the course, though. Oh, he did. Oh, the stress is over. He won. Now, you were with Parks then for a number of years, uh, and, as you say, you learned to ride better. Uh, what happened after that? I came home then, and we had, we had two or three horses at home that weren't good enough to race them. So I started jumping them over banks and started point to point them. And then I went to England, to a hunting yard, and I was riding four days a week hunting in the Blackmoor Vales, hunting uh, horses that I knew well here in Ireland, but the old master was uh, Colonel Digby and he was afraid of his life and he used to, he had implied me to ride these horses in the way they'd be chastised for him. I remember I was riding a mare called Mary Kilbrennan one time. I saw her second in the, in the maiden plate of Punchtown with Reggie Stern riding her and she was over there Mrs. Williams, Mrs. Uh, Digby bought her and when you drop your hands on her, she start to heist, and so she wouldn't didn't like her. So that was my ride every Tuesday. I remember one day, a Tuesday before Easter Monday, the, the soldiers used to be out from Salisbury's playing there, hunting that time, and they came to a stick in the gap, and the stick in the gap was where the cattle, during the winter time, they had the gap torn down outside, you see, and horses would be slipping into that, into the hole, and they wouldn't jump the pole then, you see. So I took a chance with your mare anyway. I knew she was a chaser, do you see? I hit her two or three and brought her up by the hedge. She stood back a mile from me, jumped the whole blooming thing. No one ever saw me after. But anyway, I was telling Butler, he was the stud groom there that night, and Mrs Digby was delighted. She praised the mare and the way I rode at the pole, and everything. she was delighted to have the soldiers beaten. So I said to Butler, say, I want to see Golda Miller, and he's in a chase at Wincanton, Easter Monday. Ask her, no, can I go? Do you see? So Easter Monday came along, and a big chauffeur came down with a Mercedes, and he all dressed up with buttons and to take me to Wincanton. That was how I got to go see Golda Miller. Oh, I used to ride her every, every Tuesday. She was my ride. But I rode a blind horse there for a whole year, and he never, never followed me. How do you mean a blind horse? He was nearly blind. He was tried after. He killed, nearly killed. He broke a lad's collarbone when he went over. You see, we used to have a private yard, and they sent him over to the kennels then for the whips to ride him. So he went over to the kennels. He broke a lad's collarbone. The first day he took him out hunting, and he hurt another fellow. He fell again, and he fell again. So they got him examined anyway, and they found out that he had cataracts on his eyes, that he was nearly blind.
Got married to Sherburne in Dorsetshire where I was hunting. She came from Kilkenny. Got married to Sherburne in Dorsetshire where I was hunting. I stayed there for two years. Well, you'd be up there about six o'clock. You'd have your breakfast about nine or ten. You'd be finished about twelve and you'd go back at four again till six. When you say you were up at six and you had your breakfast at nine, you'd ridden out three hours in the meantime, isn't that it? Yes, we'd have a cup of tea maybe when you get up, that's all. What would you do then with the horses? What when you got up after you had a cup of tea at six o'clock, what was the routine then? You'd saddle them up and maybe if you had time you'd muck them out, and if you hadn't, you wouldn't. Take them up the gallops? Yeah, feed them when they come back. That was uh, about a ten-hour day then, I suppose? Yeah. Oh, I'd be getting... 50 bob or 3 pounds. And your keep. And make, and maybe sometimes, more times not. Wages were very bad that time. And yet the people who were employing you were the landed gentry in Britain and terribly well off. Oh, yes, but that didn't count. They wouldn't give it to you. I was head lad with Tommy Rayson for about a year and a half or so. We fell out then over over Horse Brunswick. Why did you fall out over the Horse Brunswick? He wanted me to ride him out on Sunday and I wouldn't do it. Tell me about that. Why wouldn't you do it? Because I happen to be a Roman Catholic and I don't see why a lad should ride a horse out on a Sunday. And that ended your association there? Because you wanted to go to Mass, is it, or you refused to ride out? Yes, I wanted to go to Mass. Well, then, I got a job with Sir Warren Chilcott, breaking yearlings, down at Orr Farm. I was there for about two years or so, and the war broke out. And one fine day, Sir Warren was riding across the downs with me, riding a grey horse. He was a member of Parliament for Hans. And he asked me, now, was I going to fight for England? I said, no, I'm an Irishman. I thought that, he says. So he says, if you take my advice, you'll try to get a job in Ireland and go back. So there was a great pal of mine, Sinnott. He was a Wexford man. He was down there breaking the yellows with me. And uh, Sinnott told me of a Saturday night to go up and see the old man a Sunday. Well, the old man wasn't a very approachable man to go near any time. So I said, I'd go up anywhere. He went up anywhere and he says, what do you want? I told him that you sent for me. Oh, yes, he says, I know now, he says. So he told the secretary to go up to a, a court upstairs to bring it down to him. He handed me ten pounds and said, that'll help to pay your passage home. I came to Dunhardee County Down who will have been there with Sammy Johnson. I was there with Sammy Johnson for about a year, a year and a half, and he wanted me to ride out a grey hunter for Christmas Day, and I told him I wouldn't. So that ended that. So I came back down to Dublin then after that, and I got a job with a lovely name of Price, selling pint-to-pint horses. I had four winners in Clondalkin years ago. 
the same day for price. Price got going bad anyway, and in the meantime, what do you call that that fell up there? In the judge up in Ardnabana, mommy. Moreland. 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 Knew of lads. He had lads looking out for jobs as he up and on. So I got a tow with Moreland, and he's, he gave me old Galloway's address. Colonel Galloway's address below in Lockor. And I had to get a, stand an interview with him in, in the Herbarian Hotel in Dublin. And I came, that's how I came down to Limerick. What year was that about? Oh, that must be... Must be about 30 years ago. I remember the Russians started, got into the war, and I don't know Galloway's, I remember the day well. Pat Hartley, above in Ballinascall, he's dead now, God be good to him. He told me that he'd get a good job for me. If I take it, say I'll take any job. And Sunday, Evan Williams, Captain Evan Williams, came over here in a big car with Pat Hartigan, interviewed me and told me to start the next day, Monday. Davy Hogan worked with my father at Narcani's Stud for about, I suppose, 13 years and was one of the most complete horsemen that I've ever known. Um, had a wonderful way with them. I knew every facet of the horse training, breaking, breeding, veterinary, in fact, every angle of horsemanship that exists, I think. And as well as those qualities, he was a highly articulate man and um, could pass on his knowledge, even though he probably has forgotten more than many people will ever know about a horse. I've heard it said that uh, when orthodox treatments failed for certain kinds of illnesses and horses that uh, people called Davy in to have a look at it. Yes, well, he, he has that skill in his hands and that understanding with a horse that somehow when he um, treats and wound or some condition in a, in a horse that... He seems to be just as successful as any vet, and very often, if a, when a vet wouldn't be any good, Davy would do the trick. I broke 35 of them one year, of every sort, from hunters to ponies, racehorses, everything. Up in Lochaney, where Captain Williams lives, he told me one morning to go for a horse down to County Cork, Castle Islands, or Castle Lines, or something like that. And he says, Bring Billy with you, that's another lad is there. He says, because you'll want him to bring two ropes, because this horse is mad. He was a two-year-old then. So we went to this place anyway, and the way we could get him out of the stable was there was a donkey there, and it gave us about two hours. It appears he must have hit his head against the door coming out sometime, but he wouldn't come out, and we couldn't catch him inside to bring him out. So I was walking the donkey up and down the, by the door outside, nearly for two hours before he came out. When he came out, we caught him in the yard anyway. And the first thing he did when he saw the box, he reared up and fell back on the tarred road. We couldn't load him. We tried to load the donkey, and we couldn't load the donkey either. The donkey wouldn't win. So I thought to myself, the only hope is there was a soft field beside it. And we stayed lunging this horse until he wasn't able to draw his breath. He was a two-year-old then. So he walked up into the box, brought him on home, we were home about four o'clock, and at half past eight he went into the stable at home. 
which they're very high doors in it. But Williams came out, or Captain Williams came out, and he said to me, did you bring the lower tick? We did, says I. He's a lad, he says, I know that, he says. But he's a nice horse. So I had a saddle, I fired the saddle up on him, and the captain held him. And the first thing the horse did was he fired the saddle out over the door altogether. Buck and a lip and a plunging. So I said to the captain, say, go away altogether, say, and I'll saddle him. So he was quite a donkey when there was no one there on himself. So I brought him out in the yard. Then the trouble was to get up on him. <coughs> there was no trouble in getting up on him, if you knew him. But the point, you give me his, your leg, my leg, to get up on him. And you lead the horse. Keep walking. Don't stop the horse at all. Keep walking on. The quiet horse in the world. Open the gate, say, and we'll see what is the middle. I opened the gate and went out into the front field of, of Williams there. Cooks owned it. The quietest horse and the grandest horse ever you rode in your life. A pleasure to ride him. I live a mile from Tipperary Town, Mountain View, Clampet, uh, which is about 18 miles from Bruff County Limerick, where Dave Hogan lives. Um, I train horses. I train race horses. I keep show horses, show jumpers and ponies. Um, we do a bit of all branches of the equestrian sport. Well, I first came to know Davy about 15 years ago when I was living in Brough, when I came back from England to live in Brough. I first got to know Davy because I had used to keep some horses and Davy worked at horses and with horses. And we met nearly every day. I'd meet Davy on the road when Davy was going to work or coming from work. I'd probably be exercising a horse or walking a horse and we'd stop and have a chat. And bit by bit we got friendlier and eventually I looked on Davy as a as a, a second father because lots of what I learned about horses I learned it from Davy. Um one instance that comes to mind I had um a big grey horse by Battleborn and I bought the horse as a two-year-old, common tree. And in point of fact, the horse was only a year and a half come two. I was fooled by a clever old man in a fair. And you can get fooled between coming two and a good strong year and a half common two-year-old. But um, I broke the horse and started to do a small bit of hunting with him. And after about 12 months, he started to give leg trouble. We had some professional advice about the horse, and a lot of professional advice, actually. And we had blistered the horse on numerous occasions, and to no avail, the horse wasn't responding. And Davy Hogan, as usual, was around the yard with me, and we were passing our, our comments to one another, and he decided that he'd blistered in his in his way and he arrived on one afternoon with if I can remember four or five different blisters and we blistered the horse and I thought that the reaction it had it had such a reaction on the horse I thought 
but he was finished forevermore. He was so bad. His legs blew up as big as as big as tree legs, right up to his shoulder. And um, we had him out in the paddock, and every day I thought, well, I don't know, will you ever come right? Eventually, he started to come right, and he we started bringing him back slowly again. And that horse, we started show jumping him maybe 12 months afterwards, started show jumping him. And he won quite a few competitions. Actually, he won. He jumped 10 of his last rounds jumping in this country were clear rounds. And I sold him to go to Canada, and he never looked back. He never had a lame leg or lame step afterwards. I attributed completely to Davy the curing of that horse. Uh, but for Davy, that horse was a horse for the factory. Far more than... Uh, the people that I met in England as I was training there for a few years uh, and an Irishman seems to be a natural animal lover or horse, horseman especially a blister is a liquid you'll buy it at a chemist shop and you'll put it on with a toothbrush or you'll put it on with cotton wool and you'll keep rubbing it until the legs get hot and when you go to him the next morning there's all little blisters down along his legs and is that the poison coming out or the pus coming out? The pus coming out, you see, they're a leaf. And they'll break, you see. They've, they fire them, they used to fire them before and blister them then, but I don't think the firing is any good. The idea of the firing is, first of all, is to rest them. Second of all, is that they'll tighten the skin around the tendon when it grows in again so that he won't go. But he will go. That if a blister doesn't work, that the fire won't work. I've heard the phrase a uh, horse's wind breaking down. Can you describe to me how that happens and, and how to avoid it? You can't avoid it. That comes with nature. You see, there in his, uh, in his wine pipe, where there's chalk stop goes across him, there's two nerves there in a horse. And every time he breathes, or every time you breathe, they open and close. Well, when a horse goes wrong with wind, they only half open and close these two muscles. Therefore, it begins to whistle first, very same as the wind coming through a keyhole. Well, when they close practically altogether, he roars. You'll hear him and he'll grunt. And they can stop everything bar the grunt. They can't stop that. That's a nervous disease. Once a horse grunts, he'll grunt forever. If he's grunting, does it mean he hasn't got the same wind and the same power then? He has. I know dozens of horses that grunted all their lifetime and they were sound. When they say, of course, they're broken down in wind, presumably it means they're not getting enough oxygen into their lungs, not getting enough air. How can they get it in? There's no place to get it in. How can they get in when the thing won't open, let it in? How does that come about? Why do some horses break down their wind and others don't? They're bred. They're weak there. And any horse with a long neck... And the head put on him upside down, like you, you cup the head at once. Don't have anything at all to do with him. Because the longer the span is from the horse's withers to his ears, the sure he's to go wrong. Which brings us on to describing horses. How would you, if you had to go off and buy a hunter now, yeah. what would you be looking out for? <coughs> I'd be looking out for a lad, a good body horse with a fairly long neck but not too long a good head put on right 
good front legs, plenty of bone. Wouldn't mind his hind legs if he had a curb. I'd buy him with a curb. A curb never stopped anything. What's a curb? Curb is a, a knob at the back of his hock. It is put there for a prop because he has a weak hock. And that's there for them to prop a, a house, a prop anything. It's there in nature, is nature, it? Nature, gross. It's a bone. Why to look out for with a racehorse? He'd be longer of his back, more reach. He'd have a terrible big end behind on him. He'd be narrow in front, plated shoulder, and not too long a neck, and the head perfect. And plenty of depth where you put the girt around him. If you're looking for a show jumper, it is very hard to know about a show jumper. You want a horse at a grand even temperature, temperament. That won't get excited. That'll do his best. But they're not the best of horses. Why are they not the best of horses? They're not fast. And they won't, they wouldn't win a pint to pint, we say. Because they give all day trying to jump a fence, but they jump it right. What about colours of horses? What are the prejudices about the different colours of horses? Well, they say a chestnut horse has only one, is one skin less than a, another horse. I don't know for that. But if I was preferred, I'd buy a bay horse because they're the toughest. One white leg, buy a horse. Two white legs, try a horse. Three white legs, look well about them. And four white legs, you're better off without them. You see her hind legs? Yeah. Now, I bought her reasonable you couldn't buy her otherwise with the way she is but that mare you can lunge that mare over a pole six foot high yeah Aidan will ride her over a straight up pole five foot six now she has never been out in a gym can or never been jumped any place we only have her three weeks or a month um she's a she's the best plastic prospect i'd say i ever had or ever saw now and we've put a fair share of them through this yard in the last couple of years for what best uh, prospect for what short jumping short jumping she's not named yet she's just um how old do you make her babe have a look See, I'll leave it to your own discretion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember now we're at the tail end of the year, like, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's uh, just five years old. Coming five. Coming five. I tell you. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, someone said to me she was five, come six. I say she's... No. Her tooth is too fresh. Like, it's too, 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 too short. The too short, they're too, too fresh. Like. I definitely say she's only coming... She's only a four-year-old coming... Coming five. She'll be five or next birthday. Yes, right. That's right. Well, I'll tell you now. You see, you see the marks there where she was cut up. You see that feel that there. That'll never stop her. Her, her, her tendons and all that are all right. Like they never, they never stop her. Like you know, they'll never stop her. Who's that? Hunting horse. I keep hunting horse. He's just going back in. They, they'll never, they'll never stop her. No. Never stop her. They're all right, aren't they? Yeah, they're all right. Her high legs. You see, you see all the the, the bumps behind. Was she cute? Was she geek? They go for front legs, so that she doesn't. Oh well. She, she was never she was never lame in her life. She was hunting yesterday, actually. How do you know she was never lame in her life? Well, she was never lame with me, and I'm told she was never lame in her life, so I, I she kind seems of... seems to have good strong legs. Yeah, she's a good set of limbs on her. Great set of limbs on her. Grand quality mare. Can really use herself. I'd say that not only that, Mary. Yeah. There's a bit of a lob there, but it's hot. Now, now, down at the back. Down on the back, at the back of the fetlock. You see the big enlargement at the back of the fetlock there? It, it, she had a terrible gash there. 
That's the white one or the... The near, the near hind one here. Yeah, but there's nothing there now. You see just here, you see the lump that's there? I do. Yeah. No, there, there's nothing I can do with that probably, just let it reduce away. There's no pattern blister that. No, like but I tell you what I'd do with her, Maliki, if I were you. Is she hitting that with other legs, you know? Well, I, I intend to put a boot on her right now. Well, don't. Don't put a boot on her, because a boot will skin her. Yeah. But what you'll do is lift the inside of that shoe. Yeah. Lift it, put it standing like that, look, yeah. when you get to the blacksmith. And that'll keep her, she'll be standing on the, on the same theory as a crooked heel on your own boot. Yeah, yeah, she will she, She'll be passing, she'll pass that every time then. Yeah. But she won't pass it if you don't do that. She'll yeah. hit it eventually. Yeah. And the more jumper, the more work you go through, the sooner she'll hit it. I'll tell you, she has, she has fantastic ability. She'll hit yeah, the bumps will reduce away in time. Oh, the bumps will up. She'd pass the vintage with it, she would only put all the bumps. Yeah, never stopped, Not stopped. at all, there's no bump there, sure. Just the one. But I'm telling you that... Yes, I see it. But, you see, it's oh. all right, it's in the back. But what I'm coming at is, okay, she's hit it on the inside there, where yeah. your finger is. Well, it was there was a bad scar there, which is healed. Yes. But it's away from her joints, and she never had any... Oh, never, never do any harm, no, because if you start blistering her, you only start tricking with her. Yeah, but she never... There now, you see that, you see that, that's the... the that's remainder. no harm. That's but you see the thickness that's there? I do, the, but that'll go away by degrees, yeah, no and leave it alone. Penfan no. is, a, is a rather, it's a rather cruel method of treatment. First of all, the, the, well, usually hostage. Her, all horses are injected and they're deadened before they're, they're, they're pinfired. Uh, the leg is deadened and um, just pins are, are reddened in a fire and inserted into different parts of the tendon, up and down at both sides. And what does that do? Uh, it, 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 um, it, 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 it tightens the ligaments and then you blister over them and you leave them for about six weeks, one to six weeks. Then you start to work come back slow again. Uh, you have to wait then until they're ready for racing, and they might last, they might stay sound, and they may not. It tightens up the tendons then, the sinewy tissue or whatever. It's yeah. It tightens it that tightens up and gives them up to support the full frame of the yeah. horse. What really happens when a horse breaks down, the, 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 the tendon or the sheath of the tendon uh, uh, expands and stretches because when a horse is in full gallop, he only has his leg in f full extent. He's, he's at full stretch. You'll never break a horse down hacking them or shore jumping them. You very rarely see a shore jumper break down. You very rarely see a horse hacking about breaking down. It's when they start to race. It's when they really ask the big question. Then you'll break them down. Uh, because naturally they're at full stretch. I saw an Irish stopped. After locking down two or three men, I wouldn't go near a marriage for his job. And I saw him sold after. And I saw the two lads that were from Tipperary, they went into him. And there were all the crowd was there waiting to see what had gone. One of them walked over to the stall and squeezed the ass. The other fellow walked down behind him. And it appears, some lads said anyway, that the, they had a. When a fall is born, there's a sort of a jelly in his mouth or more like liver. And if you can get that a hold of that and preserve it, that'll quite any style. The missile smell that he'll only begin to win like a fall. So whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But I know that they brought out this mad style anyway. And he was after doing damage, after putting two or three in hospital. He was an Irish theft, the last Irish theft I ever saw, I think. 
I suppose if it's the uh, the stallion's protectiveness towards its young, it uh, just got the smell of the young and yes. it decided yes. to be calm. Yes, that's it. That's the theory, anyway, whether it works or not, I don't know. They're gregarious animals in the sense they like company. They can get quite attached to a sheep or another companion. Which stallions? Horses. Oh, horses can, yeah. They can, and they get very attached to yourself, too, if you treat them right. They know you're coming, they can oh, hear you coming. Oh, they know your step. In some cases, you know, that um, vets would diagnose a particular element in a certain way, and uh, my father would disagree. And uh, generally speaking, my father has been right in such cases of disagreement, you know. And, uh, of course, he's a, uh, an expert at telling horses' ages. He'd only look at horses' mouth and he'd know its age down to the last year and uh, he's quite an aim for himself in these regards you know to be able to diagnose an ailment or be able to tell a horse's age by his teeth or be able to judge whether a horse would be likely to turn out a good one or not I've got a couple of hundred acres of, of grassland on which I breed I have about 12 or 14 national hunt mares and two stallions, one being Menelik, who has just come to me for the next season, owing to the fact his, his previous owner, Vincent Hartigan, died very sadly this year. He, of course, is a sire of many, many winners, including Ragtrade, who was bred here, who won the National a couple of years ago. Uh, he, but he's an old horse now, 21 years of age, and probably is coming to the end of his stallion career. And I've got another young horse here called the Parson, who's just starting to get a few winners now, and he's last year covered 60 mares, and I hope we'll cover a lot more this year. Um, it seems to be the limestone land that brings out uh, the bone, which gives our horses more bone, which, which um, makes them sounder horses uh, than anywhere else in, in possibly the world. What my father had was a science and an art. Not indeed that he got much out of that in material terms but it did mean a lot to him in human terms I mean in terms of fulfilment If one was asked to conjure up a picture of an old time jockey Dave would just fit that picture um, His centre of gravity is near the ground and um, Whereas now there is something of a, a paunch. Um, obviously, he was a very light man. Um, but he just looks like a horseman. The moment you see him, you, if you saw him in the street, you'd say that man belongs in a yard on a horse to do with a horse. But uh, he never wanted us to be having much to do with horses, really. He didn't think there was any future in it for us. How many in the family? Uh, there are seven of us in the family altogether, and I'm the second youngest. There are four boys and three girls. Why didn't you think there was much of a future in it? Well, I suppose it was um, a realisation of the way things were, were going, you know, that uh, he himself uh, never made uh, anything out of horses, uh, which was a pity in a way, because I think that a person with skill like that, you know, should have got on better. But uh, the opportunities weren't there, and uh, he wasn't uh, he wasn't lucky enough, I suppose, really. But he did think there was no future in it for any of us, so he preferred us to get formal education and uh, go to school and 
so on, which he did, and he sent us all through university. The worst paid men in any work at present or all the time are the men who work at horses, because it's a it's it's a labour of love, not not a, not a means of, a, of 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 accumulating wealth. Right, the people who make the money are the the well, a lot of the owners, not all the owners. I would say most of the owners don't make money out of horses. Every horse you get is a different character. And you're all the time, every horseman is looking for a world beater. We're all looking for the Ackles, the Kerrygoyles. And it's the life ambition of every man who walks with a horse to have a, a champion. Uh, very few get champions. There are only very few champions in anyone's lifetime. And we all think that the next horse we get is going to be a champion or will shape up to be a champion. That's what keeps everybody taken, I think, in the horse world. It's the will to win and the will to have something to win. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.